friends. Welcome to the FWC Podcast. Today's message was preached on Sunday, March 14th, 2021, by lead pastor David Damiani. Yesterday, I, I hate to use words like um, envision or vision, um, meditate on, because every word we use can be, people can misunderstand words. Like when I say, if I say I meditate, I'm not doing transcendental meditation. I'm meditating on the Word of God or what the Word says. If I vision cast, I'm not speaking things in the bean or I don't think I'm a magician. I'm saying what the Lord's saying. I'm saying what I hear Him saying. And we, we sing and we pray and we say, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. And just yet yesterday at home, I just kept feeling, it's not, I'm not sad, but my heart hurts for people. My heart is heavy for people that are not seeing what the Lord's doing, people that are, are rejecting, or as I have been calling it lately, stiff-arming the Lord, keeping them at arm's length, fearful, worried about the spirit realm, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the spirit, the stirring of the spirit, people that are uncomfortable with that. My heart hurts for it. And my heart's so elated and so thankful and blessed and excited for people that are so excited about what the Lord is doing in their life. I rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. And we feel concern for those that are, are lost all at the same time, simultaneously as believers. And you will get to the point, by the way, these are called opening remarks. I'm just telling you what's on my heart. This is not like point one or introduction of a sermon in case you're nervous and that confuses you. I'm just a dude, hears from the Lord and senses what he wants to say and I just share it. So you can relax. <sighs> just sharing some thoughts. In case you're wondering, um, but people have been rolling into the parking lot, rolling up to the building, feeling the presence of the Lord. I pray that, again, it just saturates this whole property. Every time somebody rolls up here, it, they're just saturated with the presence of the Lord. They just repent or cry or rejoice or dance, whatever. They just feel the Holy Spirit, and they can't contain it. Before the service, someone was asking me about praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. And I said, you're going to, we were talking about the word travail, a burden, travailing, groaning in prayer. And I said, you're going to travail. You're going to pray. This person has a burden for the lost, a burden for family, friends that don't know the Lord. You're going to be travailing. You're going to be praying. You're going to be weeping. And all of a sudden, you're at a loss for words because you feel all these combination of things going on inside you. You're happy for those and you're grieved for those and you're brokenhearted for those. And, and you're going to come at a loss for words. Jay said it. Different people say it when they get the mic. I'm at a loss for words. I can't really explain adequately what I want to say. And you get there. When you get there, and you will get there, everybody in this room is going to get there. You're going to get there. 
And these words will just start coming out of your mouth from the Holy Spirit. They're going to be words in another language that just start flowing out of your innermost being because the Holy Spirit will start to pray through you. When we're at a loss, he prays through us. When we don't know how to combine all the stuff that's going on in life, when we go through a year of 2020 that's like a horrible year in the natural realm and an incredible year in the spirit realm and we're navigating those waters and we're trying to figure out all this stuff, the Holy Spirit just can pray through us. The Holy Spirit can bring us peace, bring us joy as we pray in the spirit. He prays perfect prayers. He prays amazing prayers. He prays prophetic prayers. He prays anointed prayers. He prays creative prayers through you. And if, you've, if you feel at a loss when you're praying or when you're worshiping, and you're like, I feel something I can't even express. I feel this elation in worship. Emmanuel is saying a portal of heaven is open, and I, I feel that portal I can feel like the sunlight of heaven. I feel the warmth of heaven beaming into my soul. And I don't even know how to express it. Let these words flow. Let them flow. Pray in the Spirit. It'll, it will, they will come out. And that, let me tell you, Nicholas likes to use the word satisfying. I think that's the word he uses. Very satisfying. I like to do this. It's satisfying. I think it's a cultural word for kids. That was very satisfying. When you pray in the Spirit... <laughs> It is satisfying. You're like, whew, I think I said it. I don't know what I said, but I think I said it. Whew. Opening remarks still. I'm learning. Jay said he's 73. King James said he's been in church 40-some years, 75. I'm 51. I'm learning. I'm learning things. And I say things, and some people get, yeah, hallelujah. And other people go, I don't get it, and I don't understand what he's talking about. And I couldn't figure it out. It happened, I guess, a week ago, in a way, that brought it to my attention. You know, I don't understand that guy. And I... and. And in, in human nature, this is just talking again. It's not a sermon. This isn't point one, but I'm going to get to that, okay? Everybody all right? Yes. You sure? I don't understand. Like even this. What's he doing and why is he talking like that? And will he get to a sermon? I came to hear a sermon that I might never remember one word of after he, as we leave. But anyway, I have to hear it or I won't feel right. But anyway... I don't understand, you know, I don't understand. And natural, my, my natural, well, let's start with the demonic. The demonic says to me, you know why they don't understand you? Because you're crazy. You're nuts. You're cer- certified whack job. Is that a bad word? You're wacky, man. That's a demonic voice out here. Do you agree that's a demonic voice? Amen. Thank you. That's a demonic voice out here. Now, I can come. It's just out there. That, that's just there. Has no authority over me. Cannot affect me. Unless I come in agreement with it. And I say, you know what? 
you might be right. I may be crazy, but it just might be a lunatic you're looking for. Just kidding. Sorry. It's a little Billy Joel. I think it's Billy Joel, right? Amen. Thank you. See what I mean? You're crazy. What are you doing? No, no. You know, I, 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 will not, I have come in agreement, not with that thought, but thoughts like that. Something's wrong with you. You know, do it this way. Do it that way. That's the demonic voice. Then the natural voice. Oh, man, you know, oh, bummer. Oh, I want everybody to like me. I wish everybody liked me. I can't have one person not like me. Fear of man, the natural voice, fear of man, people pleasing, whatever is in our nature, our human nature. We want to be accepted. We don't want to be rejected, etc. So these things happen. But then the truth, what's going on here? I know that I know. What's happening here is spiritual thoughts are being combined with spiritual words. And that's what people are doing. What are they doing? What are they talking about? Shouting out. What? They have spiritual thoughts. Thoughts from the spirit realm. Okay? Spiritual thoughts. Jesus did it. He described things that are spiritual with natural words. I see, I forget what Tish was saying. I see breakthrough. I see breakthrough. How can she see the breakthrough? What is she talking about? I don't understand what she means, you know, whatever. She has a spiritual thought. I see breakthrough. You have spiritual thoughts and you combine them with spiritual words. What are spiritual words? Words you wouldn't normally say. Like, we're all normal humans, and, and again, our natural, the natural us, wants to be accepted. We don't want to be rejected, and we want to fit into a crowd. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to draw attention. That's not normal. Yes, if you're a narcissist or whatever, psychotic, or all the different psychological terminology that Emmanuel could teach us about, all this terminology, yeah, there's people, but that is a fraction of a tiny percentage of the population that are that way. No, your ex-husband's not a narcissist just because you read it and it, and it seems to fit. Like, he's a narcissist. Everybody's ex-spouse is a narcissist. No, they're not really. They're just sinners. <laughs> they're just people that were following their own passions, lust, whatever. Okay? You know, because a, a true narcissist is a very small percentage of the population. But we have these natural thoughts. <laughs> no one that comes down to the front and yells things out is like, I love walking down front and yelling things out. You know, they're like, I can't contain it <laughs> at first. And then later, I don't want to contain it. And then later, the Lord is speaking through me and I love it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I come to church and I can worship you and I can contribute to the body of Christ. I can, I'm part of the kingdom and I can contribute. Thank you, Lord, that I can contribute. I'm just not a, a pew warmer. I'm, not, I'm just not taking up space whether I'm here or not here. It doesn't make a difference. Let me tell you something. Through COVID, all of you, if you're not here, it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. When you're here... It makes a big difference. We need you like never before. We love you. We want you. We want everything you have to offer to the body of Christ. We welcome it. 
We welcome it. We make room for it. We make space for it. We make time for it because it matters. It's important because God is raising up people, raising them up to change culture. Change culture, affect culture. You ever hear this term, and I know you have, cancel culture? I know you've heard it. And every religious person in the room, again, the religious part of you, every person in this room, in the natural, is religious and political. I hate politics. You're political. You migrate toward a political philosophy in the natural. You are religious. You migrate toward, I'm a good person. I I think probably serial killers, if you interviewed them, would say, I'm a good person. I I wanted to kill a hundred times more people than I did, and I reserved myself. I'm a good person. That's the insanity of the human nature, separated from God. So the human, I got to close my eyes because I keep getting distracted. Human nature, the religious spirit. You talk about religious spirits. There's no more nasty spirit than than the religious spirit. It's nasty. It, It is mean. And all religious spirits in the room are the natural, religious spirits and the natural part of us that migrates toward religion. We all look at cancel culture. We look at society right now that's involved in cancel culture, and we're like, what fools, what jerks, what idiots, what nasty words. What whatever. You don't think people have nasty words, look at social media. And we're ripping them. And yeah, it's a weird thing. It's a weird phenomenon. I don't agree with it. Don't get me wrong. But Christians have been experts at cancel culture way before. Cancel culture, not culture changers. Cancel culture. Way before the world ever even heard of the term. How do I know? What's your eschatology? Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? Are you a preterist? You didn't even hear a preterist. You know, what's your eschatology? What do you you believe about whatever? Do you believe in, you know... Do you believe in the gifts of the Spirit? Do you believe in tongues? Well, yeah, I do. Cancel culture. Oh, oh, you're you're mid-trib? Some preacher on TV, you know. For me, they talk about apostles and prophets. Cancel culture. Christians. Canceling out other Christians. You believe... So... Foundational, foundational thing in me, the Lord revealed to me long, long ago. Ephesians 4, I've taught on it so many times. It's foundational because the, the Ephesians says God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Five, we call it the fivefold ministry. Some Greek scholars will call it the fourfold, and they'll say pastor, teacher is a combination word. But most say fivefold, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You know it's in the Bible. You know it's in the New Testament. You've heard, you've heard the words. 
You know, it's in the Holy Word of God, right? And then it says he gave these, these offices. We call them offices of the church. It's just a word, an office. He gave them to the church. They're gifts to the church. If you function in apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, if you function in one of these offices, you are a gift to the church. And you're to pour your life out for the church. Paul said of of himself, I pour my life out as a drink offering. I pour my life out. What does that mean? I literally live for the body of Christ. I I blood, sweat, tears for the body of Christ to grow, to change, to learn. And these gifts, they're, they're the servants of all. They pour their lives out. And Ephesians teaches us that with that, with these, with these ministries, the fivefold, they equip the body. They equip the, the church, the body, the gathering of believers. They equip them for the work of the ministry. I know you've heard this, me say this many times. We, we, fivefold people, are supposed to equip the body to do the work of the ministry. It's just a Bible verse, right? But it's an unbelievable concept for today because the religious mind says, you stand up front, you, you do all the work, we throw some money in the bucket, and then we live our life and we do what we want and we have our job, you know, and we hired you to represent us as our minister. And on Watershed Sunday, I preached a message and it People called me up on the phone and chewed me out. You can look up Watershed. I don't know. It was, it was January a year ago, something. I don't remember the date. I was talking about this fivefold. The guy that's fault it is that I use the word watershed is sitting back there. It's his fault. Walt Petroy in a board meeting said, I think we've come to a watershed moment. And it had to do with something we were dealing with on the board. But it hit me, and the word watershed wouldn't leave me, and that was on a Tuesday. All week, Sunday, I said, we're at a watershed moment in our church. It means like the, the whole, you're just talking about a river? You're just talking about a river? Yeah, partying, water. It's either going to flow this way or this way, watershed. It's, it's, gonna go, it's, it's changing direction. And here we are, and I... I I tried to talk about it, and I tried to couch it. I tried to talk about it carefully. And when I try to be careful, I get misunderstood. I got misunderstood. People got, some people, a handful of people, got really upset. Other people were like, what? Why would they be upset? And I was talking about this concept that you are ministers. You are called to do the work of the ministry. Our job, my job, our job is to equip you. And then in the fivefold, not to rehash it, but I need to for a minute. Of the fivefold, teacher, we, we're fine with the word teacher. Evangelists, we're kind of fine with that word. We're pretty much used to it. Although, you know, the word evangelist is kind of like definitely 50s, 60s, 70s, a hot word. 80s somewhat, then it started dying down, that there's evangelists. They used to come in the church and preach or hold meetings and hold evangelistic crusades. Pastors don't invite other people to speak that often in their pulpit these days, so evangelists don't necessarily come. 
But a real evangelist can hold evangelistic meetings, but a five-fold evangelist equips the body to do evangelism. An evangelist is an equipper to the body to teach the body how to evangelize. That's the, that's the evangelist's main function. So apostle we're not comfortable with, prophet we're not comfortable with. Pastor we're very, very comfortable with. I did not mean to explain this today again, but I didn't do a good job last time, so I'm going to try. We're very comfortable with the word pastor. The word pastor is in the entire New Testament one time. One time. In Ephesians chapter 4. It's the only time the word pastor is used. But it's one of the most comfortable words in Christian vernacular. Language is pastor. We're so comfortable with the word somehow, some way, um, and it's used once in the Bible. The kingdom of heaven is used like 85 times in the Gospels. 85 to 1. We're not comfortable. What is the kingdom of heaven? I started teaching on it on Wednesday. I'm going to try to teach about it a little bit today, I think. Kingdom of heaven is used 85 times or more. More and more. We're not comfortable. What's the kingdom of heaven? What does it mean? How do you explain it? Word pastor, we're used once. Watershed Sunday. I got up and said, there's pastoral, there's apostolic, no, fivefold, remember? There's apostolic pastors. Because we're comfortable with the word pastor, I'm just coupling the word pastor with the word apostle. There's apostolic type pastors. There's prophetic, and you change the word prophet to prophetic, and people like the word better. He's prophetic versus he's a prophet. You say prophet, prophets don't grow up from little boys, do they? That's a Keith Green song. Keith Green, prophets don't grow up from little boys, do they? It was, he wrote a song called Song to My Parents, because Keith Green's parents couldn't figure him out. They're like, who is this kid? What is he doing? What's his problem? Read his book. It is awesome book. And, he, and one of those lines is, prophets don't grow up for little boys, do they? So we don't like that word, so we'll say prophetic pastors. People, pastors that are a little prophetic. Their message sounds prophetic. Their message sounds apostolic. Pastor pastors. Their message sounds Pastoral. They're pastoral pastors, evangelistic pastors. In my opinion, my dad was an evangelistic pastor. My dad preached that he, he had a heart for the lost, like no tomorrow. He was a pastor, but he had a heart for the lost, and he was very evangelistic. He never preached on a Sunday morning that he didn't tell you to witness to your waitress or the lady at Wawa, Right? Pray for, the waitress comes over. Hey, we're about to pray for our meal. How can we pray for you? Did you ever hear my dad say that? Anybody? Right? Why? Because he's an evangelistic pastor. Absolute heart for the lost. Lost. And then you have teacheristic pastors. I made up the word teacheristic. Teacher pastors. Pastors that are really, 
you know when, when a pastor has a, an anointing for teaching, when he gives a message, you're like, whoa, this is a teacher, right? And you're like, you're taking notes and, and you're like, and it's very, you have a syllabus, you know, and, and they're, they're teaching pastors. Now, I was trying to preempt everyone and let them know I'm not a teaching pastor. Like, I'm not a professor. Did you figure that out after two years now? I'm not a professor. I teach, but I'm not a professor. I'm just a dude. I like to call myself a dude. I'm just a dude that hears from the Lord, and I try to say what he wants me to say. That's what I do. Well, when I told people I wasn't a teaching pastor... They started crying, like, and laughed, and like, he's not going to teach the Bible. He doesn't use the Bible. It was like, blew my mind. Cancel culture. Christians, not, hey, what did you mean by that when you said you weren't a teaching pastor? Oh, well, I have prophetic messages. Maybe I have apostolic messages. You know, I lean a little more toward the apostolic concepts and the prophetic concepts of Scripture than I do the teaching or the pastoral. Although I have a pastoral heart, I love people, but I don't preach messages like, hey, everybody, let's hug each other and let's all love each other. Stroke someone's hair this morning, will you? You know, or whatever. Let's, cut, let's all cut each other's toenails this morning, you know. I like want to help people grow, so I give, I try to give, uh, I don't try, a challenging word comes out, you know, and I want to help people to grow. But all of those things are necessary to bring the body to maturity, to equip the body, all five, fivefold. I just was a dumb 18 year old that read that and like a, a, a revelation came on Wednesday night. If you didn't watch, the, if you weren't at class, you can watch it. It's online. Um, I talked about Christian education versus revelation. Christian education, you can try to memorize stuff. You can try to learn stuff. You can get it down. You can build a foundation. But when the Holy Spirit gives you a revelation of a truth, it never leaves. It's like branded in your spirit, a revelation. You can sit here and receive a revelation during worship, during the word, during prayer. You could be like, oh, my word. We had, we had a men's breakfast. George shared his testimony yesterday morning. It was awesome. That's what James was referencing, the men of the church that are fired up. George sat in church his whole life. And all of a sudden, a revelation, truth came, and he went, I get it. And all of a sudden, he's like, Rah! you know, like, and everybody's looking at like, who is, who is this guy? This quiet guy that whatever, this really quiet, calm, gentle, peaceful, loving guy that listens to Screamo music. Like, you guys know what Screamo is? Okay, good. Very calm guy, but he likes some really crazy music. But who is this guy? Now he's like, Rah! Repent, not repent. So pull your heart out, put a new one in. You know, like what happened? He got a revelation. The Holy Spirit gave him a revelation. So the Lord is drawing people here. My heart's cry, and when I say my heart's, my spirit crying out to the Lord. 
Lord, raise up apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers to equip the body. Lord, raise up these people. Draw these people. My heart's cry for 30 years. My heart's cry. Draw these people, Lord. Then, then along comes this phenomenon called Facebook, and I start sharing thoughts. Fivefold. Apostle, prophet. In the natural, I'm uncomfortable with those words too. Because I'm a human that doesn't want to sound weird. You know, like, oh, so-and-so's a prophet. Oh, what are you, some wacko? What are you, a cult? You know, like, I get it. I get human. Forget the word apostle, you know. That, there's only 12. No, there wasn't. The apostle, there's, I forget, I have a number in my notes how many apostles are mentioned in the New Testament. A bunch. A bunch. Apostle and prophet is used a whole bunch of times. Pastors use once. In fact, the scripture says, on the apostles and prophets, I built my church as a foundation, the apostles and prophets. I get it. We're not comfortable with it. I don't care. That's why I said apostolic pastor. I don't care. I tried to do an end run. Apostolic pastor, prophetic pastor, evangelistic pastor, 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 teaching pastor. I'm not a teaching pastor. Fire him! (sighs) If you feel like you want to, I will let you but you will say it loudly. Amen. I know you will. Oh, he's, he wants to fight. He said, you're going to let me? You don't let me. Go ahead, sir. Yes, I did. You love me. Thank you. (laughs) You're smarter than that. I don't want to discuss the reason I came here now. Like I said, I will later. But I became so accustomed to the teaching pastor that I was comfortable with it. I'm going to just repeat it myself. The problem was that it just was a what's the word I'm looking for? Familiar? Yes. Comfortable, familiar, familiar feels good, fits good. Yeah, it's a good feeling. We all enjoy each other's company. But it wasn't fulfilling in my heart. What brought me to getting in the word was one day I was upset about something. We ran out the door. A young woman from here chased after said, do you know the prayer language? Of course, I've been in church all my life. But I didn't. She started praying in tongues with me for Jane and I. Blew my mind. I finally said, hold it. This is not working for me. (laughs) And then we had a pretty long conversation. But what got me into the word is praying in tongues to the churches I have always been accustomed to was voodoo. It was what? Oh, voodoo. It was not talked about, so of course it didn't make any sense to me. So that prompted me 
to get into the Word, to see what the Word said about it. Oh, my God. I'm still at awe. I said, Lord, teach me to pray in tongues. I'm going to get on the internet and learn about it. I said, well, that would sure be all wrong because that would be about, if he, want, if he wants to give me that gift, and I still can't, if he wants to give me that gift, I want it from the Holy Spirit. I don't want to learn it on the internet. I'm right. not going to do it. But that's what prompted me to get into the Word. Because someone went out of their comfort zone. And she for sure put me in an uncomfortable situation. But now it is well with my soul. Amen. I remember that day. I do. Yeah, oh yeah. There was a handful of COVID survivors here. <laughs> it was, I don't know, March, April, May. March and April, I think, was when we had just a handful. And I was pretending that I only had my makeup crew here. And I would say things like that, tongue in cheek. Just my makeup crew's here. If only police officers are listening. Anyway, they came. Anyway, the cops came. Before I knew we were exempt, I knew we were essential, but I didn't know we were exempt. By law, we're exempt. We're allowed to do this. Nobody can stop us. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that at first. I just knew we were essential. So I was like, oh, yeah, we're keeping the percentages down to my makeup crew and worship team. You know, joking. I was joking. But, yeah, Jay was here, and you went out that door. And, yeah, natural me. Devil me. I love, I, I love Jay. I think Jay's awesome. He's a cool dude, and I love him. And I want Jay to, to like, find me to be a nice guy or a friend of his. So devil me is like, <laughs> thank you, Jay. Devil me is like, I mean, devil me. Devil out here, the guy thinks you're crazy. He's, he's had enough. You know, you blew it. Natural me is like, what did I say? What did I say? What did I say? You know, but spiritual thing is he's out like, <clears throat> like so many. I don't get it. What's going on here? You know, I'm not totally comfortable. I want to leave feeling really good. Like just, I just want to have a good feeling in the natural. I want the service to be a certain length. I want the structure to go like with what, what I'm used to. And this is not normal. Hits the road. And then I won't say Jessica ran after him. I'm not going to say who ran after him, Jessica. Um, thank you. Thank you though. Cause that girl was, well, that girl, a whole nother story. Sitting in the break room. I'm telling it, Jessica. Sitting in the break room, me and Darrell. Darrell showed up. Darrell moved back. He's back there. Darrell showed up, same as Jay, during COVID. Like, dude, are you having church? Yeah, I'm having church. I'm going to be there. So Darrell started hanging out. We're in the break room. Jessica was coming here during the day, praying, 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 singing, 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 filling the church with singing. She comes in the break room to get a glass of water or something. Me and Dorell are in there. And um, we start talking about the Holy Spirit and tongues. And Jessica's asking questions. And then Dorell's like, you have the Holy Spirit, right? You can pray in tongues. And Dorell starts praying in tongues. She starts praying in tongues. How You can tell the story better exactly. But boom, like Jessica's like, and then Jessica's like, wow. This is brand new for her, by the way, Jay, was the tongues part, you know. Wow. Yeah. It's okay. Give credit where credit's due. She did awesome. And honor where honor's due. Thank you. 
Jay wouldn't be here if she didn't go running out after him in the parking lot. You would be here? Oh, awesome. Thank you, brother. So, yeah, Jessica's like, praying in the spirit. Like, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, awesome. You know, and Jessica's bold as a lion. She comes in on during the week and praying and filling this whole building up with praying in the spirit. Um, I love it. 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 I love I. This is a complex sentence. Complex sentence. I love it. I love it. I love what the Lord's doing. I love how he's setting people free. My prayer to the Lord, Lord, raise up these people to equip the saints. A pastor, just like if I can, if I can draw this parallel. Jesus said, it's, I have to leave. It's really important for me to leave because when I, when I leave, I'm going to send back the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you and in you. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God can be everywhere all over the whole planet at the same time. Jesus could be at one place at one time when he was on the earth. When he was in a physical body, he was limited to if he was in Jerusalem, he was not in Bethlehem. He was in Jerusalem. If he was on whatever street, if he was on whatever street in Jerusalem, he wasn't on that street. So you had to go to this street to hear him. But after he left, you could hear him everywhere by the Holy Spirit, right? And you could hear him everywhere through all these people that were filled with the Holy Spirit that became evangelists and all these things. They went out and evangelized. If, if pastors or apostolic pastors or prophetic pastors, evangelistic pastors, pastor pastors or teaching pastors, if the fivefold would not feel like it's my job to do all this, but they would believe it's my job to equip you to go do this, I can be at one place at one time. I'm standing right here. I'm not in Waxhaw. But if 10,000 people in this area believe they're called of God to function in the Holy Spirit. What do you got for me, buddy? Oh, you have to leave. I saw. What do you got? Oh, you're just hugging me. Love you, buddy. He doesn't want to leave. Uh Uh-oh. He's going to be upset. We love you. It's okay. It's over. You come soon again. Stacy, you might have to help him because he's sad. Now he's got to go hug Becky. Let him hug Becky quick. All right. Not for that. I'm fired up. By the way, I did see myself a little bit. Sometimes I do seem angry or something. I'm never angry. I'm just fired up. I I talk very aggressively, and when I hear myself, I'm like, why are you talking so aggressively? Uh, I'm very passionate. Hallelujah. And honestly, I am reserving like 90% of my passion. You're seeing 10%. Because what I feel would really be terrifying to behold. <laughs> so I'm hoping. I'm, I'm, Rain it in. So the church set up 
is like 80% destroyed already because of COVID. Like it's shattered. People are online, they're at their house. Pastors are trying to figure out how to preach in their office or at home over the internet. Like they can't do everything they used to do anymore because they won't even gather and whatever. So like 80% of the structure is like gone. The 20% remaining is religion. It's got to be destroyed. The Lord wants to bring this all the way back, man, all the way back to the body of Christ gathering together and functioning. And the Lord's doing it. And thankfully, he didn't have to say to me, hey, I know you really love that structure, but I'm going to turn it upside down. I, he was like, I know how much you don't like that structure. <laughs> so now's the time when we can just be the body of Christ functioning in freedom. And the Holy Spirit moving. And equip, equip the saints, equip the saints, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's another thing. When I said that, they're like, so we hired you and you're not going to do the work of the ministry. So why did we hire you? Like, what? My, my job is to equip and minister. I do that too. You know, 50 people a week. I don't know how many people contact me for ministry. Of course. Of course, and I teach. Of course I teach. I'm just not a professor. I, I know like that, like whatever. So I evangelize, but I'm not an evangelist. Okay? So I'm an equipper. And Lord, raise up these equippers so the body can be brought to maturity, so the body can be like Jesus, so we can finally see the power of God manifest in a group of believers. I tried to preach that on Watershed Sunday. I almost got fired. And I was only uh, hired for a month. Like, I was like, what? But what I'm learning is I combine spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And like Jay said, it doesn't sound like I'm, what I'm used to hearing. It doesn't sound like a sermon, so it must be wrong. Cancel culture, bro. You're participating in cancel pastor. And cancel church because it doesn't sound like you're used to hearing. You want to cancel it. Or we don't use the exact words that you want to hear, so you want to cancel it. Or I say apostle or prophet, and you want to cancel it. Now, the internet came along. I start posting things I believe, and then I hear about this thing called N-N-A-R, New Apostolic whatever, Restoration, right? And I'm like, oh, apostles being restored. Cool. No, 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 no. Everybody, oh, that's demonic. That's evil. You know, or I talk about the kingdom. My message today is about the kingdom. I didn't give it yet. It's right here. It's about the kingdom. Thank you. It's about the kingdom. And let me tell you something. If you don't remember what I'm saying right now, it's okay. If it gets embedded in your spirit and becomes a revelation, I won't have to teach you anything. I'll say it. And you'll, I get it. The Holy Spirit just awakened my mind. And if that isn't happening, you're staring at me like, Lord have mercy. Again, there are 4,000 churches in a 20-mile radius. I'm making up numbers, but they're all over. And you want to hear a teaching pastor and three songs, one song, fast, two songs, slow, prayer, teaching pastor, benediction. They are everywhere. And I don't want you to leave. I want you here. I want everybody here. And I want more people here. 
But if you want that, it's everywhere. You don't have to try to shove it down my throat. It's everywhere. I want to see the kingdom. I want to see the supernatural. I want to see the Holy Spirit move. I want to see what it looks like that a whole body of believers function in the supernatural everywhere they go. Like, multiply a pastor times 10,000. Like, what? we'll rock this area. We will transform this area. You won't have to write letters to your congressperson. They'll be writing letters to you. What did you do in Talmanson Township? Like, we had, like, black jets flying over. What do you call those things? Stealth, Stealth jets, whatever. Or hel- but the black helicopters. Them things? We had black silent helicopters flying over Talmanson Township. And the whole township is glowing. Like, what do you got? Do you have your own nuclear power plant underground? Like, what are you, what are you guys doing? Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. The kids are coming in. Don't, don't mind that. That's another phenomenon that we allow and we love. I'm almost done, by the way. I'm not going to go another two hours this week. This is just a warning. When you feel negative... There were people in Jesus' day doing things in Jesus' name. And the, and the, and the disciples that became apostles, need some ice? Just that was just, a, just the head smashing on a pew. It's fine. The disciples, huh? Yeah, oh, did he? <laughs> need some water? That's a brand new one. Here's anointing oil. Well, my business card, it's right here. Anyway, the disciples that became apostles complained to Jesus. Who are these people? Jesus said, if they are not against us, they are for us, leave them alone. Christians today are like, your eschatology is like 5% off from mine. We can't fellowship. In fact, worse than that, you might be demonic. I think you might be of the devil. Your sermons aren't three points and a poem. You might be demonic. You might not be called of God. Oh, baby, I'm called of God. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Oh, and then the watershed Sunday, I said, no problem. I'll be preaching in a field, whatever. That got offensive. I just mean, I'm not going to ever stop. I can't, right? Wow. When I say wow, I mean like, wow. Wow, how awesome I feel. And wow, what people, what Christians do to each other. It's mind-boggling. Thank you, Lord, for legendary patience. And I pray legendary patience on everybody in Family Worship Center that we can be patient with each other, love each other, listen to each other, respect each other, honor each other, receive from each other. Think about that this week. I I pray that this thought comes back to your head. Do not be a cancel culture Christian. In Christianity, oh, that, that guy believes whatever. Every preacher that has any kind of like 
size to their church or ministry, every one of them, you can find people that say they're of the devil. You want to Google them, you're going to find, oh, that they're of the devil. I know some of them. One guy I really like, and he's of the devil, they say, and I love him. I never met a more loving pastor ever in my heart, preacher. That guy drips the love of Jesus. And then people are like, oh, well, he this and he that. And like, I've heard like 300 of his messages. I've never heard him say something that wasn't biblical. But if you go on, if you look him up, he's demonic. He's the, the, whatever. Oh, my Lord, cancel, call, cancel him. Oh, you are missing out. You are missing out. You are missing out on what's happening in the kingdom because you're looking at religion. You're just looking at religion and you can't see the kingdom. There's my introduction to the kingdom. Four minutes. Four minutes. You don't have to turn there because you're going to know this verse immediately. But, okay, you got it? It starts with but. Huh? Oh, thank you. Three minutes. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, unpack this verse. Lord, all these things will be added to me. Like, you're looking for whatever, provision, food, clothing. i got to pay my bills, whatever. I need a spouse. I need a wife. I need a husband. Whatever, whatever, whatever all these things are, because it says all, right? So all these things. Well, these aren't happening in my life. Well, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, here's a question. What is the kingdom of God? If you Google it, you will find Calvinists, Baptists, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Catholics. And they will all try to describe to you what the kingdom of God is. And depending on whether they're op- whether they are sp- their spirit is filled with the Holy Spirit, like okay, uh, they're all Christians. Whether they function in the Spirit or not will determine what they tell you the kingdom of God is. And I have like eighty-seven verses here about the kingdom, which will take me three weeks to go through. But first of all, seek first the kingdom of God. John 18, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world.
The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. You know what that means? That means like, don't eat that. Don't drink that. You can't eat this. You can't drink that. Eat this at this time. Drink that. It's not a matter of eating and drinking. Otherwise, it's it's not religious rules. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's Romans 14, 17. When you enter this building and the, king, the kingdom is here, the kingdom of God is here. Oh, by the way, new apostolic whatever, can't throw, oh, that's kingdom now. That's another one. Look it up. Oh, you're, are you kingdom now? Well, what do you, well, I don't know. What does that mean? Well, what do you think? They have this big thing about the kingdom. Like in a negative way. That I believe the kingdom, like Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. That doesn't mean at the end of the world that his kingdom is established. Because why would he need it to be established on earth as it is in heaven at the end of the world? At the end of the age. We are representatives of the kingdom of God here and now. Right? You're supposed to see the kingdom. You're supposed to have a a sense and an awareness of the kingdom. We started talking about it on Wednesday night. It's not of this world. Nothing you can see in this building is kingdom. This is all natural. Why are you yelling about it? Because you think this church is kingdom. I say it over and over again. This church is just a a big facility where a lot of people can sit and hear what's going on. It was just built for that. There's nothing in the New Testament that says, when ye build a building, make it octagonal in shape. May this you know, center beam be 67 feet high. And there's nothing about that in the New Testament. We are the temple of God in the New Testament. We are kingdom. This is a building. My kingdom is not of this world. It's not natural. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. What are we supposed to be preaching? 27 verses I'll go through. Preach the kingdom and the gospel. What's the gospel? We know what gospel is. That's easy. Good news. Preach good news. What's the good news? Jesus came. You heard it all this morning in worship. Jesus came to set you free. That's good news. Jesus came to deliver you. That's good news. Jesus came to heal you. That's good news. Jesus came to deliver you. Jesus came to give you freedom. That's good news. And what is the kingdom? That the gospel, good news. Preach the kingdom. Well, we know the kingdom's not eating and drinking. It's righteousness. This is one descriptor of the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. You hear David Damiani says peace and joy every Sunday, like, like my dad said, Wawa. And so did I. I used to say Wawa every Sunday. I found myself saying it. Peace and joy. Why do I always say it? Because it blows my mind that the kingdom of God is peace and joy. The kingdom of Muhammad is not peace and joy. The kingdom of a place in Italy, which I won't say out loud right now today, there's a place in Italy that has a kingdom. It's not peace and joy, it's fear and shame and guilt. 
Because religion is fear and shame and guilt. The kingdom of heaven is peace and joy. So how do you know that you're, you're here in the midst of the kingdom of heaven? Have a great meal, James. He's going to eat the best ribs in the world his son is going to make him. Amen. Enjoy. He's got to drive an hour home. Meet well with his son. God bless him. And I told you I'd be done in three minutes. And you all know that my three minutes is the two-minute warning in football. I'm almost done. College basketball. Oh, wow. Printed on the backside, too. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There was a declaration made here at the pulpit, or at the altar here. We call this an altar. It's the front of the building. It's just kind of a place to pray. You don't have to call it an altar, or you can. It doesn't matter. I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you... Oh, this is, you, uh, this is the last one I'll read. I, I want to, like, yeah. 1619 Matthew. I think it'll be the last one I read. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Keys to the kingdom. You can open any door in the kingdom. You're allowed in. Come anytime. If I gave you keys to this church, you could come play basketball at 3 o'clock in the morning in the gym. Whatever. You know, here, here's keys. Come on in. Keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have a responsibility as citizens of the kingdom. We have power and authority given to us by the Holy Spirit. You will not hear this preached in most churches that you have the power to bind and loose. In fact, if you look up binding and loosing on the internet, you're going to find, oh, well, these evil preachers that think they have authority. Cancel culture. Cancel. Oh, oh, those preachers are bad because they believe a Bible verse. They actually believe a Bible verse. The kingdom of heaven, when when you're part of the kingdom of heaven, you can bind and loose things. You can speak to things. These are declarations that are made. Oh, look up declarations. Look Look up impartation. I believe in impartation. Oh, impartation, that's demonic. That's a spirit of, uh, from India. You know, it has to do with yoga. I mean, I read this stuff. It is so sad. Christians want to destroy Christians. They're not even looking at the world. They don't even care about the world. They just want to fix my doctrine and theology and make sure it's like in line with theirs. Like, you, first of all, you're wasting your time. And second of all, you're wasting time. Stop. Why is the Lord grieved? The Lord is grieved because his body is destroying each other. They're chewing on each other. They're hacking each other up. They're canceling each other. You say the one word, wrong word in the world today. Some newscaster says a wrong word. Boom, they're fired. You say one word, wrong word when you're preaching that triggers someone they either shut you off and never listen, or they walk out and never come back, or they, or they talk about you, whatever they do. It, it, it's sick. It's sick what we're doing to each other. It's wrong what we're doing to each other. We're in this together. We love Jesus. These people, Heather loves to watch Sid Roth. <gasps> 
It's, I like it. I like Sid Roth. He's a cute old man. I was telling Heather last night, he's such a cute, he's such a gentle guy. People hate him. They think he's spooky and evil and cultish or whatever. It's like, he's an old man that loves Jesus. Like, come on, people. What in the world? Where's that good one? I'll leave on a good one. I know. It is all good. We'll just leave on this one. Well, we could also preface the leaving on that one on this one, if you want. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. The kingdom is not flesh and blood, and you can't inherit it with flesh and blood, and the kingdom is invisible. It's right here. And yes, there's a, the kingdom of heaven is not, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are simultaneous terms, and they're not heaven. It's the rule and authority of God is the kingdom of heaven, his kingdom, his reign, his rule over, first of all, your heart. Does he rule and reign you? Is he King Jesus? Is he King Jesus over your heart? Does he rule and reign over your heart? First and foremost. Secondly, why does all this stuff happen in this building? Because he rules and reigns over this congregation. He's king. I'm his servant. He's the king. Jesus is king. He rules and reigns here. He's in charge. His kingdom's out of this earth. 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God. This is Bible, okay? Bible, the book that everybody teaches in all those churches. The kingdom of God does not consist in words. 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God does not consist in words. Everything about church today is words. All of it. I didn't hear a good word. That wasn't a good word. That was a good word. You know, and that's awesome. Thank you. But like, oh, I didn't hear, my ears didn't hear what it wanted to hear. I didn't, you didn't talk right or appropriately or I didn't, it wasn't structured the way I want to hear it. The kingdom doesn't consist in words. It consists in power. That's what it says. The kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Do you go to a church that power, the power of God is demonstrated. That you're like, when we got done worshiping and I stood here, I wasn't at a loss for words. I can talk till six o'clock tonight. Does everybody believe me? Because I'll prove it. I can talk six straight hours. I'm not ever at a lack for words. I didn't stand here quietly because I didn't know what to say or what to do. I stand here quietly because I feel the power of God in the worship. I feel it. I feel his power. And I have such a respect for the power of God being demonstrated. I have such a reverence for the power of God because I know it's the only thing that can change you. It's the power of God. I'll never have the right words to convince you. 
but a demonstration of the power of God is the kingdom. Preach the kingdom. If you preach the kingdom, you preach the power of God to change lives, to set people free, to heal them, to cast out devils. The power of God to raise the dead. Yes. This isn't, and this isn't like hype preaching. It's Bible. <laughs> it's, it's what Jesus said. He said this is the kingdom. And we have settled for so long for like, oh, that sounded good and felt good. I think I'm good. <sighs> and then somebody gets up and it doesn't feel good or sound good. He must be wrong. I'm not a fuzzy wuzzy. I'm a sweaty wetty. I'm sweating. Come on up. If you, are you singing again? Just for a minute. Just for a minute. I mean, hey, this is you'll get overtime. Time and a half pay. Time and a half pay. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom. How do you have righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees? Imputed righteousness. Jesus' righteousness applied to your life. I'm as righteous as Jesus. And so are you, Jay. You are. He imputed it to you. If you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved, and yet you have imputed righteousness. Yeah, Sunday nights are coming. <laughs> I told you, I got 90% I'm holding back. <sighs> I used to throw things and kick them. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'll be like a ma. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit. That's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. The kingdom of God is like a cruise ship. Don't work in the engine room. You're in the engine room. You don't know where you're at. You're at some gorgeous destinations, but all you see is grease, oil, and some big hairy guy with a wrench in the engine room. Get up on the deck once in a while and look around. Breathe the air. Get off the cruise ship at the destination. Come out of your room. We went on a cruise. We all got seasick when I was 12. The whole crew got seasick. We stayed in our rooms a lot. And the rooms aren't nice because a cruise ship isn't about the room. A cruise, cruise ship does not consist of rooms. It consists of other things. Like pools and all kinds of stuff. And don't stay in your room. The kingdom of God is not for you to stay in your room or in the engine room. 
or the brig, brig, bridge, brig, brig, the lockup area. Get out and enjoy where we're going here, all right? All right, now Becky's going to take us there. Thank you for listening to the FWC podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, you can visit our website at familyworshipcenter.org or in person at 1000 Troxel Road in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Thank you. Have a great day.